Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another Reach Markets Meet the CEO session. My name is Warwick Lace. I'm the Head of Investor Relations at Reach Markets, and I'll be facilitating the session for you today. The purpose of today's session, as always, is to give you direct access to companies that you might be considering investing in. So we invite the CEOs on here to tell their stories and to give you the opportunity to ask them questions. Advice or information in today's presentation is general in nature only and does not consider your personal circumstances. You need to consider for yourself whether it is appropriate for you. Adrian Grant from, uh, from Ninespokes, which is a, a powerful global ecosystem of data which is collected from businesses and banks and uh, a whole bunch of other sources. Uh, and it provides businesses with uh, real insights and information to guide their decision making. Uh, Adrian, it's uh, great to connect with you again. Uh, it's been a while since uh, I've, uh, I've heard an update uh, on, on Ninespokes, so looking forward uh, to, um, to getting that and uh, see the progress that uh, you've been making. I would imagine in the sort of current environment, uh, businesses that you're dealing with are, are desperate for crisp, up-to-date insights and, uh, and data. You, you should have controls of the presentation. Uh, we'll um, listen intently. Thanks, Warwick. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, welcome. My name is Adrian Grant, as Warwick said, the CEO and co-founder of Ninespokes. Look, it's my absolute pleasure to tell our story today, so thank you for giving me your time. It's really appreciated. What I'll cover today is um, three key things. Our platform, tell you a little bit about what we do. Our partnerships, and that's really been part of the business that's been driving most of our news flow recently. Finally, I'll cover our financials before we do a couple of minutes on Q&A. Before I get into it, I wanted to take a couple of minutes to give you some context of our business and also to play a short video which should demonstrate our platform. In our mission statement, we write the words, we want to be the world's most powerful small business ecosystem that everyone wants to be part of. So what does that mean? Actually, I'll let you see the video first. I hope that gave you a little taste in terms of what our app looks like. In terms of our mission statement, we say that we want to be the world's most powerful small business ecosystem that everyone wants to be part of. So what does it actually mean? We see modern business as being ambitious, authentic, passionate and unafraid to take risks. Entrepreneurs tend to build businesses doing what they love, they're leaders in our communities growing businesses, making a positive impact, and realizing their dreams. Startups, scale-ups, fast-growing chains, they're all of the above. Business is about as exciting, rewarding, and gratifying, yet it's not always plain sailing. The personal stakes are high, the work all-consuming, and it can be lonely. Even with a deep understanding of your industry and a strong team, building a flourishing company 
is a difficult art to master. And Warwick touched on it before. We have a new, a new normal, new challenges. COVID-19 has changed everything. Businesses are agile and resilient. They've needed to act quick, quickly to pivot hard to reimagine ways of working. Chances are most are having difficult conversations with their teams, partners and their bank managers. Everyday governments talk about the disproportionate impact SMBs have on our economies, be it absolute GDP or employment, and the need to help to help them. So what is Nine Spokes about? At Nine Spokes we get it, helping SMBs has always been our mission from day one. So what are we building? What is an ecosystem? At the heart, we're building a platform. The more participants, the more appeal to join. In other words, the more businesses who join, the more appeal for app partners to join, the more appeal for banks to participate, and so goes the cycle. The more banks and apps on the platform, the more relevance and usefulness it is to the SMBs. So we're working hard on getting more participants from what you might call both the producers of content to the users of content. So that's fundamentally the platform that we're trying to build with millions of SMBs on our platform. So what are the components that make up Nine Spokes? Think about Nine Spokes as a business hub, a central place where we pull it all together to make life easier for SMEs. Our business hub is made up of three components, the tracker, connector, and resource center, or engage. At our core is the tracker, a live feed powered by the apps and services businesses connect. The tracker presents a 360 degree view, personalized notifications and alerts help monitor performance and flag where actions are required. Be that more profitable staff deployment or unsticking a supply, a supply chain issue. Tiles, the nine, core nine spokes product, provide a deep dive into a business's bank, financial and business metrics. They can be grouped into boards of specific relevance. For example, a board for cash flow management or a board for logistics and inventory. Whatever the use case that the business finds relevant. Running alongside our tracker product and accessible through it is the connector where businesses can discover, connect and purchase apps and services that are applicable to them. There are essentially five core connection journeys that we invoke. The first is to connect the apps that a business might have already purchased. The second is a marketplace to buy apps where you know you have a need for, for new tooling into your business or you want to change out the apps that you have. The third, particularly in an open banking world, is the ability to connect all the bank accounts that you have. And in the open banking world, which Australia is about to enter, and Europe certainly has, we think that there will be a much stronger prevalence of businesses having banking accounts with multiple entities. We also give the ability to connect services that are not necessarily fee paying. So think about organisations like Companies House, which every company, every country has, or tax offices, all organisations that would have notifications that are important that companies meet their compliance obligations. We want to notify businesses of those actions. And finally, it's the place to connect the nine spokes tiles, the data points that are relevant to an SMB. The third component of our platform is called the Resource Centre. Think of it as a newspaper. It's a centralised collection of business know-how that shares information 
sorry, shares informative content on everything from the basics of business principles to the latest trends, provides financial calculators, and know-how to make the most of the nine-spoke solution. Taken together, Tracker, Connector, and Resource Center form the nine-spokes platform. I want to touch on our partners, particularly our partnerships um, and our distribution partnerships. Our company operates with physical presence in six countries. Our largest team in a New Zealand company is based in New Zealand, but we also have people and offices in Sydney and Brisbane, Singapore, London, Toronto and New York. We have people distributed where our clients are, where we have access to talent and capability, and where we're undertaking business development. It would be impossible to run our business from a purely New Zealand base when you still have to have people on the ground despite some of the challenges that we're working through with COVID-19. In terms of our banking partners, we're incredibly proud to have Bank of America, BNZ, and OCBC in Singapore as our initial partners. We have a shared purpose, that being to support SMEs to thrive and prosper. We mutually understand the intimate relationship between business success and access to capital, a feature that is becoming prominent in our product and a reason why we've partnered through banks. If you're involved in the business or in a business, you'll know that most banks to date haven't provided cash flow lending to SME businesses. And the banks, of course, want to provide that capability but without the access to data that enables them to manage their risk profile, it's extremely difficult for them to provide cash flow lending. And frankly, if they don't start providing that capability, other fintechs will take their space and their traditional banking systems services will be compromised. And that's one of the primary reasons that these organisations that we currently partner with are partnering with us. With the banking partnerships that we have built to date, however, we know that our product resonates, we've tested our hypothesis, and we're always adding new capability to our partners, to our, to our partners and to the ecosystem. I want to touch now on our strategic partners. Over the last 18 months, we've put significant time and energy into partnerships, and we've done so for some very obvious reasons. Ninespokes is a very small company with a large vision, but we don't have feet on the streets and we don't have relationships with many organisations. So we wanted to, wanted to build partnerships where there was a common purpose and a mutual interest, where we could leverage the brand strength of major multinationals with the brand relevance of the Ninespokes platform. And so over the last 18 months, in many respects, we've put most activity on hold to build the partnerships that we know will be enduring and provide our company with the ability to scale much faster than we would by ourselves. Just touching briefly on the partnerships, the three, well certainly the two, ma two major partnerships on that list, our partnership with Microsoft is multifaceted. It's clearly a technology partnership in the sense that we host with Azure, Microsoft Azure, their hosting platform. And that was an important decision to take because they have the most distributed um, data, center, data center footprint globally more so than others in the market. And as we partner with banks, you can imagine for a moment that they're generally very concerned with data sovereignty. 
So the closer we can get our capability to our partners in their regions, more relevant to us. But more importantly than that, our relationship with Microsoft, it's also a co-sell agreement where they assist our sales process into the banks where they have deep technical and commercial relationships. And they assist us in all avenues from data sovereignty and security. And recently we announced to the market that we had built an app inside Microsoft Teams for nine spokes. I'm sure a number of you on the call use the product and therefore see the versatility that having a nine spoke solution built into Teams is just one avenue to consume our product becomes extremely useful. Our other relationships with Foundation and Visa are all about distribution. Visa in particular have commercial relationships with circa 15,500 global financial institutions. So you can imagine where they have deep relationships and we have no relationship, the ability to sell the, to sell the story of nine spokes becomes magnified and leveraged. In terms of our contract, we've, we signed that agreement on July the 21st and we've made quite a lot of statements about it, but we signed a five-year strategic partnership agreement. These are a, are a reseller of our product, meaning they are contracting with banks on their paper to sign an agreement. That means that Nine Spokes doesn't have to contract. We don't have to go through what can be a 12-month process to contract with a very large bank, as has often been the case. We have solid revenue targets between Nine Spokes and Visa. They, they are confidential under the terms of the agreement, but they are material to the company if we live up to the vision that we both have. Most importantly, however, we're very aligned in our objectives, and since we've signed our agreement, we're really happy with the progress that we're making out of the gate. And happy means we're having a number of conversations with Visa and their clients. I have said in the past that we're not putting a time frame on when that comes to act, when it comes to fruition, when we start seeing. As, any, as with any large corporation, it can take a little bit of time to get up to speed. But I can say at this early stage, since we've been going for a couple of months, that the visibility on nine spokes has certainly been enhanced by having Visa in front of us. Finally, I just want to talk briefly about our financials. Our number one objective financially, of course, is to grow our annual recurring revenue to a sustainable position that covers our cost base. In the last two years, however, from starting at a loss circa $17 million and finishing last year at $4.9 million, we knew that we had to aggressively manage our cost base with a clear objective to drive towards profitability. And that's certainly been what our number one focus has been, to get our business into a position of profitability whilst um, continuing to make sure that we take care of who are very our clients who are very exacting. So we've taken, we took significant cost out of the business. We're no longer taking cost out of the business. Now it's about driving top line revenue. In terms of our cash in the bank, if you like, we have circa a two year runway. In that time, our objective is to, made, to have made significant progress towards profitability if not achieving it within that time frame. And the number one way to do that is to drive our ARR. We finished FY19 on an, with an ARR of $4 million and FY20 at $4.7 million. That was in an environment of clearing the decks, if you like, and putting our company into a position to be able to maximise the opportunity of the partnerships I just spoke of. Secondly, 
I'll talk a little bit about our cash flow. Similar to our accrual accounting, our cash flow reporting has shown really good progress over the last couple of years from a um, negative 16.6 .6 million down to 2.6. That 2.6 in the current year will probably more approximate our accrual accounting, but we've made and continue to focus on tight cash discipline. The issue with cash flow reporting always is that it's very sensitive to timing, um, in terms of timing of receipts, but we've managed that pretty well, and if there's ever time, we'd always signal to the market any changes or reasons for any variability in cash flow, but clearly at our stage, cash flow is incredibly important, and we manage that very tightly. Finally, I just want to cover um, one slide in terms of our expenditure breakdown. Most people in the SaaS business want to understand how much of our revenue, or so, sorry, how much of our expenditure is applied to research and development. Over the last couple of years, we've spent quite a lot of effort, put a lot of effort into rejigging where our cost base is spent in the business, and we've had a very clear bias towards putting as much money as possible into our R&D function. In FY20, we spent 4.3 million on R&D. It was down slightly from 4.6 million in, nine, in FY19, but as a percentage of our total spend, it increased from 28 to 38% of our cost base. We think that's about stable, and we think that's about appropriate for a business such as our own, and we will always need to continue to invest in our product. Our gross margin on future revenue would be circa 80-85%. In a nutshell, our cost to deploy new channels is not off itself significant in the sense that we've been building our platform to be able to scale. We will have some increase in SG&A in line with cost base, but our overall trend will be positive with all new sales contributing to a reduction in our overall net loss. That's the end of the presentation, Warwick. So, pass it back to you for any questions that people may have. Very, very good. Thanks, uh, Adrian. Maybe let's jump straight into the, um, the distribution uh, model and, um, and Visa. How, um, how are you moving forward, uh, I, I guess, with, uh, with that? Um, really well, actually. I mean, we took over a year to negotiate the agreement with Visa. And it sounds like a long time, and it was an extremely long time. But if you think about it, um, they are writing contracts with their clients on their paper. That means they have one thing they're going to manage overall, and that is their brand and their brand reputation. So they had to be crystal clear that the company, as the nine spokes, had the capability and the processes and the people and systems in place to ensure that we protect the brand reputation of Visa. In a sense, they're going out to their customers to promote our product. So that process was incredibly rigorous. And so they wouldn't do what they're doing. We are their bet in terms of SME data analytics globally. We launch in something like 50 countries. They would like us to play in all countries but where they operate, but we don't have the capability by footprint to do that to date. So they are very, very invested. And the reason for telling you that story is they're incredibly invested in terms of the time and effort and commitment they're putting into our company. So their commitment on the sales and revenue side is equally strong. They haven't spent two years working with us not to run at something very hard. And if you look at a lot of the, uh, the Visa publicity in the market or Visa comment in the market, 
um, the last few months. It's all been about SMEs and how they can help those businesses thrive. So all I can say is it would always take a little bit of time for a large corp to get its cadence up. The amount of inbound traffic that we would not have had otherwise um, had it not been for the Visa brand is very significant. And I'm both excited and tired, <laughs> if you like, by the amount of work that we do with Visa, given most of our clients tend to be in the Northern Hemisphere. And that means for a lot of late nights and early mornings for people within the team. But actually, at this stage, we couldn't be happier. And they, and they push us, which is a really good thing for them to do to us. Yep, really good question coming in from Matt Have just on uh, the revenue model. Um, you touched on uh, the annual recurring revenue. Um, just maybe uh, ex ex expand on sort of the the revenue model and how that um, how that fits up between recurring revenue and um, and other. Good question. So if you look at the business today, we have been dominated by receiving both license fees and implementation fees from our banking partners. That's almost 100% of our revenue today. Over time, as we have improved our deployment process, a number of things are going to happen. Firstly, our implementation fees will cease to be as big as they have been in the past, and that's a good thing because we want to remove friction to deploy our platform. So something that would have taken us 12 months to deploy when we first started is now probably about a month. So that's a good thing in terms of onboarding new banks. Secondly, in terms of our revenue profile, our intent is very much to continue to grow the bank license fee. There's, there's no shirking away from that. We want that to be a significant revenue fee to essentially cover the cost of running our business, but over time we'll start bringing in new revenue lines. Secondly, it'll be revenue from App Marketplace. Um, it's always been a it's been a part that we've struggled with as a business, but actually we in, in the time I've been in the leadership position, we have rebuilt that part of our platform. And again, we're really delighted that Microsoft, with their Microsoft 365, is our launch partner in our marketplace, and that will be joined by most of the other apps who are part of our ecosystem where we can monetize um, selling those apps. So we're looking forward to that. That will start shortly. And then thirdly, we will start to monetize the front of our platform, i.e. our core tracker. There's a lot of capability that we're giving SMEs. And so we try to keep the barriers and the friction very light in terms of um, companies first adopting our platform. But very quickly, we want to monetize that as we drive additional capability in the platform. And again, some of that will start happening in the next six to nine months um, as we roll out tools. So just in summary, Warwick, license fees dominate the revenue line today. That will be joined by marketplace revenue and platform revenues over the next over the next um, six to nine months. Good stuff. Maybe one, uh, one final uh, quick answer, Adrian, just to a question from Julie. What's the most important uh, sort of source of driving small businesses uh, to your platform? Where, where, where are they coming from? How are you getting to them? I think there's, there's actually several sources, but if you, if you had to say it as one, it is how do you get an aggregated view on the performance of my business as opposed to having to go into multiple apps to see how I'm tracking? What we're really trying to do is say businesses have three, four, five, maybe ten apps that are running their business, where can they go to to get a single source of truth, to see insights, therefore drive actions in terms of how they perform? If you, you know, anyone who owns a business wants to have a snapshot, they want to sit on their mobile device, and a dozen times 
times a day to be able to see how that business or those businesses are travelling. So that's the reason people come. Um, I think the reason people will come in future will be that, but it'll be augmented into how do I get access to capital and working capital to run my business, and that's part of the reason that we're engaging through those really significant banking partners. Yep. Look, very, very good. Thanks uh, for that, uh, Adrian. We'll, um, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep a watch on that. That's all from me today. Um, thanks again to our presenters, and thank you for coming along and uh, listening to the presentations. Keep well and uh, chat soon.